Hello. Hello. I really struggled with that for a second. We might be off editing. Jamie might have to like go make sure that's okay because I accidentally stopped recording for a hot second, and oh, then I pressed. It, it's it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you're on now, right? Yeah, I'm on. Everyone can hear you. I'm recording. I can Please see. Please raise the... your right hand if you can hear Jessica right now. None of us can tell if you're raising your hand. Take a but selfie. If you can hear her. Take a selfie. Tag yeah. us. Ooh. There we go. Yeah. Unless you're driving, then don't yeah, do that. Yeah, don't do that. Please, please, please don't. Please wait until you've arrived at your destination. Do not use your phone and drive. It's, it's against no, no, the no, law. No, no. As is murder, which is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yes, that's 100% how that works. <laughs> Boom. I'm Jamie. Boom, I'm Jessica. And this what is... This is for Justice. Oh, you beat me. I did beat you. Because you always say it. I do. I like it. I'm really glad that you like our show that we host together, that we've been doing this, this for, like, a, what, a year and three, four yeah, months? you know, it's pretty fun. Three months? Sometimes, yeah. like, when we're not organized, it stresses me out, but I enjoy mm-hmm. it. You know, we make a little... Me too. To, like, you know, donate to places like the ACLU. Boom. Heck yeah. We did that. And we bring awareness to, like, social justice issues. Yeah, which, and that's cool. Heck yeah. Yeah. I'm here for that. Me too. Um, so, uh, am I first this week? I think so. Okay. Um, I'm like almost 100% certain, also, but I also could be wrong. That's, so, I knows? think I am, but we're going to go with that anyway, and if I'm not, then that sucks for us. Um, yeah, because that'd be the first time we muffed it up in a year and three months. That's true. Oh, a year and three months, that's nuts. I know. Isn't that bonkers? Also, how is Emerson 11 months old today? Oh my god. God, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be allowed. It should not be. I'm feeling like be some type of way about it. Yeah, let's don't remind me, please. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so sad. Um, how are you feeling? I was gonna ask you that at the top. Oh yeah, because um, Jamie the all fucking the- Snapchats me, and I'm like, <laughs> why is she Snapchatting me? She never Snapchats me. We always text <laughs> message. And I'm like, oh, better open right. it. And lo and behold, <laughs> I sent her the selfie of me in the John Muir emergency room. <laughs> yeah, I was really um, concerned. I'm like, she has the COVID. No, I do not have the COVID. I'm glad you I was don't. not exposed to the COVID. Hopefully, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wore a mask the whole time, and I didn't touch anything. I good, very clean. Um, good for you. Did that whole thing. Wear your um, mask, people. Wear it. Yeah, and it was wild because like they wouldn't let Zach inside the building at all. Yeah. He had to like wait outside, and then. Uh, like after like the first two hours he was like I'm gonna go home and I was like no please like go home yeah like I'll call you when I'm gonna be done because yeah. I don't know how long I'm gonna be here isn't that wild that like, happened to um, a family member too she had to go to the emergency room and mm-hmm. she thought she might have the coronavirus this was like back when it was like really scary so it was April May March April mm-hmm. and um, no one could come in with her she couldn't breathe and it was really scary oh my but God. Uh, she ended up not having it she had really bad pneumonia and thankfully she was okay but we were all like freaking out and then nobody could my mom was like I'm gonna go and and but I'm like mom you can't go in right <laughs> you know which that's God. sad but yeah everything's just like so different well like I mean like with my job like what I do at work is like I schedule surgeries and stuff yeah. and it's like you have to tell them to you like you don't ha- you can't have visitors or you can't have anyone come in with you unless like you need like medical help you know getting in yeah you know what I mean like it's kind of wild or if it's like a kid they only get one parent like it's um, it's wild. It's yeah. sad. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just to kind of off the top here, I I'm okay. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, they did a bunch of tests and stuff. Um, basically, it's probably like a, a stomach acid accumulation. Um, it was just causing like really bad like side pain and yeah. you can um, never be too careful with that. Yeah, no, because, um, like, we were, like, pretty, like, sure it might be, like, pancreatitis at first, because mm-hmm. that's happened to my grandpa before, mm-hmm. and, like, the onset's, like, really quick, and, like, it's, like, really bad pain. Yeah. Um, But then they're like, yeah, no, like, it doesn't look like it's that, so hopefully it's just that, and I could just take some antacids and be, like, chilling. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Thank you. Me I too. I'm finally boring. feeling more like myself. Yeah. Me too. I know. I text, Thank you. I've been texting her every day and saying, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> just checking in. Hi, <laughs> like, it's me. Can't get rid of me. You'll never get rid of nope. me. 
Hope you don't ever I not mean, want to be my friend because it's not an option at this point. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's really funny because I was going to tell you the same thing. So. <laughs> I'm here for I think it. this works out well. Yeah, perfect. Heck yeah. Um, so you, this week, are doing the last bit on the Atlanta Child? Yeah, so I think where I took off, forgive me if I'm missing something, but I think I ended at 1980, and so I'm going to do 1981, and then talk a little bit about how he was caught, he being Mm -hmm. Wayne Williams. Um... So 1981, they found the first victim, Luby Geeter, who had disappeared January 3rd, but was found February 5th. Um, Luby, let's see here. Um, he, they died. I don't know. Um, they, so they have all of these deaths like listed in a different place. So Luby was only 14, and they died by um, as- asphyxiation. Um, the case was attributed to Wayne Williams which some of them are attributed to him and some of them are not, but they're all lumped into one, like, umbrella of the Atlanta child murders. Right. So, um, Luby was the first for 1981. And then Luby's friend, Terry Pugh, also went missing in January. Um, But an anonymous caller called into the police to tell them where to find his body. Um, Mm -hmm. And... He actually had lived in the same apartment complex as one of the first victims who was killed in 1979, which is interesting. Um, oh, that is interesting. Terry died by also by strangulation um, January 22nd, I think is when they he disappeared, and it was also attributed to Wayne Williams. Um, then we have, oh, well, it says February and March there were six more bodies. Um, discovered, the, and then the first adult victim, Eddie Duncan, was discovered. So th- this is like kind of where I think it's, I don't, it confuses me, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, okay. And then in April, 20 year old Larry Rogers was found, 28 year old John Porter, and 21 year old Jimmy Ray Payne. Um, Porter and Payne were ex-convicts, and they had recently been released from Arendelle State Prison for serv- or for um, burglary. Then May 12, 1981, FBI agents found the body of 17-year-old William Billy Star Barrett on a curb in a wooded area near his home. Um, the There was a witness who described a black man standing over and observing the location where the body was found before driving away in a white over blue Cadillac. Um, also, during May of 1981, um, the last reported victim was added to the list, 27-year-old Nathaniel Carter. Um, he was last seen by a gardener. Um, I don't know why that's relevant, but at the entrance of the Rialto Theater in Atlanta, um, reportedly holding hands with Wayne Williams, and his body was discovered hours later. So, it's just really, I think that's strange. So, um, you know, there's six, in that time frame, there's six more child victims. So, Luby, Terry, Patrick Baltazar, who was 12, Curtis Walker, who was 13, Joseph Bell, who was 15, Timothy Hill, who was 13, and William Barrett, who was 17. Those are all attributed to Wayne Williams. They all died by strangulation or asphyxiation. Um, and then all of the adult victims in that time frame as well, who were in their 20s, Eddie Duncan was 21, Larry Rogers was 20, Michael McIntosh was 23, Jimmy... Really quick, I'm so sorry if y'all can hear my dog squeaking his toy in the background. I he can. is having a blast. I can hear it. So, my B. <laughs> I would like it, to Charles. apologize in advance. He's living his best life, <laughs> so just, you know... He's not meeting any disrespect, I promise. Yes, yes, (laughs) he is. Um, Jimmy Ray Payne was 21. um, John Porter, 28. And Nathaniel Cater, 27. All of these... they're all just so old. I know. All of these are also attributed to Wayne Williams. Um, Most of them died by either strangulation or asphyxiation. However, John Porter was stabbed to death, but his case is still attributed to Wayne Williams. Um, Only two of those were... So, Jimmy Ray Payne and Nathaniel Cater, um, Williams was tried and found guilty of those two murders, of those two adults. Hmm. That is what he is serving 
jail time for. Right. He has not been tried on any of the other murders, but most of them have been closed, as we've talked about, because they thought, oh, he, Wayne Williams did these. That's it. Right. Um, some of the deaths, like the first child who was found, Eddie Smith, he was um, found with a gunshot wound, and the case is not... It's not resolved. It does not say if it's attributed to Wayne Williams or not. But everybody just assumes that, you know, this was all Wayne Williams. And I really don't think it was. And... Yeah, it just it doesn't really add up to me. No, and even so, criminal profiler John E. Douglas, whom we've talked about, he's the inspo for mm-hmm. Mindhunter. Um, he said that he believes Williams committed many of the murders, but he doesn't think he committed all of them. He added that he believes that law enforcement authorities have some idea who the other killers are, but it isn't a single. Oh, he said, but he added, um, it isn't a single offender, and the truth is not pleasant. So. That's weird. I think that the age gap is weird. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe... I don't know. I just... I, I find that weird. Maybe he wanted more of like a challenge and so he started going for older people. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe. There was a... I don't know. I just... Yeah. Oh. It just doesn't really sit right with me. Like, I feel like a lot of times, you know, especially if it is a serial killer, like their MO doesn't really change that much. Yeah. And... I mean... Go, like, what... How old yeah. were some of the younger victims? I mean, some of them were as young as not seven. Like, there was one girl like really who was young. seven, but they don't attribute her to Wayne Williams. Some of them were as young as nine. Yeah, like, you know, that's a what... Oh, God, I'm going to not math this very well. Um, like, 17, 18-year difference in, like, age? To, like, what, or 11? 11 years? Yeah. I can't math. 11, yeah. 11 years. Yeah. So... Like, that's a pretty big gap, especially, like, between, like, younger kids and, like, grown adults. Yeah, exactly. So, and there's differences in um, gender, which is interesting. Um, Just Mm -hmm. differences in the, as we've talked about, the cause of death. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So they, they, and there's a lot of debate amongst the community there. So um, the FBI posited that the killer would be a black person because they were kidnapping children from primarily black neighborhoods and a white man in that area would have stood out and they kind of did a test of it they had a white fbi agent go into these these communities and kind of talk like solicit black kids and they were noticed and the black kids were more weary of them whereas a black man you know, wasn't really. It doesn't stick out. Yeah, it's not, it, he he um, it, he definitely blended in. So, right, that was kind of their theory. And then they had a theory that, um, well, some of the bodies started to be dumped in the river, and so they were like, um, the FBI and police were basically like, you know, staking out at every major bridge and whatever, trying to catch whoever was doing this, and. Um, they kind of laid out several traps for uh, for this case to try to catch Wayne Williams. The last, literally the last night that they were doing um, surveillance at these bridges is when they caught him. That's weird. It's wild. So um, an officer heard a splash. They pull over a car. It's Wayne Williams in it. They do not arrest him immediately. And, um, but, you know, they get his name. He kind of like was, um, they were like, what are you doing out here at, you know, one in the morning or whatever? And he was like, oh, I'm a, right. I'm a talent scout and I'm going to meet this person. And they're like, well, okay, like what? Because it's really odd hours. Um, they kind of looked the person that he said he was going to see up and she didn't exist. So that was a big red flag. Wayne Williams uh, yeah. was said to be incredibly intelligent, and so he kind of, like, turned it into a race thing and, you know, was like, they're persecuting me. Um, right. You know, at the time, there was a lot of, like, civil unrest about that subject, and so a lot mm-hmm. of people really did think that they he was a scapegoat because he was black and that, really, the KKK had been involved in um, most of these murders and was trying to, you know, like obviously kill a bunch of black kids and um pin it on a black man so there was a lot of 
unrest about that and that's actually still kind of a prevalent theory there's a podcast called the atlanta monster by um Payne Lindsay, who did uh oh yeah what is it um, up and vanished um it's pretty good as a yeah so, um, true crime garage used to do ads for them all the time yeah i haven't listened to it though um he kind of i didn't listen to the whole thing but he does kind of explore all of that um so it's interesting but they ended up uh so they had let's see in they convicted wayne williams of those two adults um in 2007 they uh the state of georgia agreed to allow dna testing on some of the evidence which was dog hair used to help convict williams basically they found dog hair in his car and on the victims that matched Mm -hmm. his dog they did some um like more extensive dna um and let's see it said that a dr elizabeth whitcomb whitcomb director of the uc davis laboratory um that carried out the testing said that the results were fairly significant though they don't conclusively point to william's dog as the source of hair um the sequence of dna only occurs in about one in 100 dogs so so it probably could like bring it down to like species or like some sort of you know yeah. smaller category I don't of even, number of dogs yeah. so well and they only can test for mitochondrial DNA so it can't it's Ooh. it can never be found to be unique to one singular dog right cuz i think that one of the episodes of uh, exhibit A was all about that yeah i'd have to rewatch it's been a long time but um, um i think it was one where they did the testing on like the DNA on that shoe on the roof oh yeah um, of that guy that was killed and like they thought it was a um, what, why is this word blanking from my head um, a like a civil rights crime oh yeah, um, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, a hate crime a hate crime thank yeah. you um, but like they were trying to prove it or you know right oh I do remember then, that kind of briefly um, when they were able to like replicate the DNA they were like oh well it broke it down too much so like based on my mitochondrial DNA like there's a kind of a match but like yeah we can't really DNA, so it's not conclusive yeah yeah so they also had other um evidence it looks like they had two human hairs found on one of the victims and the mitochondrial DNA sequence on the hair would eliminate 99.5 percent of people by matching their or by not matching their DNA um okay it said that the DNA sequence in the hair would eliminate uh, 98% of African American persons um, by not matching their DNA, but they compared it to Williams's DNA and they could not eliminate the possibility that the hair was his. So that he's in that 2% of people that it could be. Yeah. Um, March 2019, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms and Atlanta Police Chief Erica Shields announced that the officials would retest evidence for the murders, um, which would be gathered by the Atlanta Police Department, Fulton County District Attorney's Office, and Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Um, The mayor said, it may be that there's nothing left to be tested, but I do think history will judge us by our actions if we, uh, and we will be able to say that we tried. Wayne Williams maintains that he's innocent, completely innocent. Of course he does. Yeah. But um, also, um, what's his face? John Douglas said, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure that we got, I mean, he was guilty of something because the killing stopped right. for some of them. But then some people argue that they really didn't. Some of them continued and they just don't lump them into Atlanta child murders and you know you can't really you have to err on the side of caution in this situation because a lot of times Mm -hmm. these things weren't taken seriously and because they were black so we can't sit here and say that things are exhausted and that wayne williams did that because you don't know realistically and at the end of the day no one will ever know exactly how many you can attribute to one person whether it's wayne williams or not wayne williams yeah um because there was what like 29 murders that were attributed to him yeah well that are attributed to the atlanta child murders right which is presumed to be him yes for the most part Um, and and then people even if they're not necessarily attributed to him people just they accumulate it all to wayne williams so right so even if it's not i mean the odds that like that one person did 29 murders like i feel like that's not great yeah no um it's a lot because i mean even like fairly prolific killers like 20s is like a high number i mean they estimate ted bundy killed more than that 
I think like what, like 42 or something? I think that they caught, like they confirmed like in the 30s, but they think that the number is significantly higher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. But who really knows? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell. And I mean, so many people like are copycats and yeah. like will, but also like there's only so many ways to do so many certain things. And, yeah. so. you know, if something too, looks too similar, you can, you know, lump it together and yeah, who knows. Yeah, day, so. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have for that. I mean, of course, there's mm, a lot of information. There's 28 plus victims of this crime, of these crimes. So I'm probably not getting everything, and I apologize if I'm not doing it due, due diligence. But um, you know, that's what I have today. Fair enough. <laughs> um, today so we have you have kind of a special yeah. one today. Dingo got Yes, groomed. I do. He's sitting in my lap. Oh, Look how cute he is. My goodness. He's a handsome little boy. Um, in the pictures you post tomorrow, one of them could be Dingo. Yeah, it should be. Our true haircut. crime fighting dog. Yes, he's our mascot, he's in case no one knew. He's so handsome. <laughs> he is so handsome. Um, you should put his little bow tie on him oh, before gosh. you take his picture. Oh my god, good idea. I have to find it, though. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my case this week is one that's actually very close, literally and figuratively. Kind of a, um, um, yeah, you have kind of a special one today. I mean, they're all special, yeah. but this one's like a little more, it drives It's very home. close to home. Yes. So, um, so uh, if, if you guys don't know, I live out in the East Bay area. Um, I live about one town over from uh, the city of Walnut Creek, California, uh, which is a pretty affluent area in the East Bay. Um, Bougie AF. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, homes are in the, you know, upwards of a million dollars usually. Um, you know, very nice school districts, you know, great shopping, um, you know, nice offices. Like, it's, it's a very nice area. That's a Bay um, area, though, for you, too, for people who are not familiar. <laughs> right, and I live in the, like, suburb that's, like, not quite as nice. <laughs> So, um, I don't pay the Walnut Creek prices, but, Heck no, um, I wouldn't. No, but, like, I work in Walnut Creek. I absolutely love Walnut Creek. If I could afford to live there, I absolutely would. Like, <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. So. No, I, I, I have been there many a time. Yeah, and a lot of people that, like, work out in San Francisco will work, live somewhere, like, in Walnut Creek or, like, Danville or San Ramon, like, areas like that, which are a little bit nicer, but they don't have to pay the, like, $2 million see, rent price Yeah, in San I was going to say, <laughs> San Francisco is even more, like, wild when it comes to housing than... Yeah, and then it's, you're only, like, 30 minutes away, so, joke. I mean, like, it's a nice middle area, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Bay Area housing is just ridiculous in general, but we're not, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I'm, I've been dancing around um, who this is about. Um, so this is the uh, death of Miles Hall um, at the hands of the Walnut Creek Police, Police Department. Um, this happened on June 2nd of 2019, so just a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to read an article that um, his mom, uh, Ton Hall, uh, wrote with Cat Brooks for the San Francisco Examiner uh, last September. Um, we'll link to it in the down bar as well as, um, you know, everything else. Um, yeah. Cause there's a lot so, of in, uh, information for this one. Yeah. So, um, Miles's death is very tragic. He was, um, only 23. Um, he was mentally ill. Um, his, uh, mom and grandmother had called 911 to help, um, deescalate a situation in which, um, he was having a, a you know, a flare up of his mental illness, um, and things went very wrong very quickly. Um, so there, I will link a, a YouTube clip. There is footage of body cameras, um, as well as nine one, as well as transcriptions from the nine one one calls. Um, it's you know definitely not for the faint of heart. I don't think everyone needs to yeah, watch not, it or I'm listen to it if you're to. not willing to. Can't do it. Um, I have watched it. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so the kind of too long don't read of the video, um, to kind of, again, spare Everybody, what happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the first, uh, bit is the 911 calls. You hear his grandmother saying, um, hi, you know, can we come get Miles? He's trying to break into the house. He had, um, what had been later determined to be a long, like little, like piece of metal. Um, and he had broken in the back, um, sliding glass door of the house mm -hmm. um and but like the grandmother was very calm when she was on the phone she was like can someone just come and help um the police had had a long history of 
helping the family with Miles and they were familiar with him like they had you know come to the house multiple occasions to help with you know take him to the hospital and you know get him help that he needed um so it's not like this was a one-off thing yeah. you know um and then his mom gets on the phone she's very calm as well um and again like they there's no so there's no sense like, of urgency there there's not like yeah you know, they're not fearing for their lives right, he's not gonna shoot me right now like we just need help yeah like we don't think he's going to hurt us but we need to de-escalate him and get him help yeah um so um and then the police arrive and they you basically see the first like vantage point is from like across the street he's out in the like in front of the house mm-hmm. he starts coming towards the cops and they start they fire i believe like four or six beaten bags at him okay um and then there's two live rounds that are fired um, at the after, same time or do they wait to see so if the beanbags you hear incapacitated you, right so you hear four shots like back to back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and then another four okay. so i believe there was six beanbags total in two live rounds okay. um and then um Who didn't get the and this memo is then what if, <laughs> like if i feel like right. somebody they um, were on the same page and there was, I believe, four or five officers based on, like, the footage. Um, you see body cam footage from four different officers' cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, one doesn't have audio. The other three do. Okay. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell, but it be- I, from what it looks like and what I've gathered, it looks like the live rounds were fired after he was already on the ground. Okay, so that's, that's the other part that, like, I really am having an issue. Yeah. You know? You know? Right. <laughs> like, comprehending, well, the whole like, thing is problematic, why. but, like, that... It- like at, why at that point right is this happening well it shouldn't have right yeah. like, absolutely not but like you know it's just it's absolutely mind-boggling yeah. to me no i agree the whole situation yeah. um and so then the you know footage cuts off and there's a brief message by i believe the you know uh you know whoever's in the head of you know investigating and they're said they're going to get going to get the bottom of it mm-hmm. um all the officers involved are still on active duty in the walnut creek police department okay um I did reach out to somebody that I know that um, is a former member of Walnut Creek Police Department. Um, they didn't know anybody that was involved um, directly, okay. so they were unable to provide a statement. Um, but, um, and I wasn't able to find a formal statement that was ever actually made by the Walnut Creek Police Department that like accepted any sort of guilt or any sort of yeah. responsibility. Um, so, if that does exist, I would absolutely love for someone to you know provide that to me. But yeah. I just haven't seen it myself. Um, you would probably be able to find so, it pretty easy, though, I feel like, if it did exist. Right. Um, like I said, there's been really no justice up until this point. Um, there is a website, um, justiceformileshall.org, mm-hmm. um, that where, you know, there's a, information is, you know, how to get involved, where to donate, um, all of that. I'm going to read a um, little blurb from their website for the Miles Hall Foundation, and then I'm going to kind of get into the story. Okay. Um, so on June 2nd, 2019, our beautiful son, Miles Hall, was shot and killed by the Walnut Creek Police um, because our mental health system is deeply flawed and doesn't support families whose adult children have mental illness. We had no option but to turn to the police to get Miles help when, we were, when he was in crisis. We sought out guidance in how to maneuver through the system. We were strategic and deliberate in our efforts to protect and support Miles. After working with the police for two years to protect him during his mental health episodes, the Walnut Creek Police responded to our call for help on June 2nd with lethal force. On a sunny afternoon in our quiet neighborhood, the Walnut Creek police shot and killed Miles within a block of our home uh, before making any efforts to de-escalate the situation. Miles was ill. He was not a criminal. He should be alive today. Um, Since his death in June of 2019, we have been fighting to create change and protect families from loss like ours. We have recently created the Miles Hall Foundation to continue and expand our work. Um, We're all connected to someone who is suffering from mental illness, and we um, all have the power to create change to protect and support them. Uh, we ask with you. We ask you to work with us and create a desperately needed change. We cannot do this uh, work without you. Um, so then again, um, there will be links to that as well if you if you would like to donate. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, again, this uh, article comes from the San Francisco Examiner. Um, the first response to mental health crisis should be compassion, not cops. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is in the voice of Ton Hall, okay. um, who is Miles's mother. Um, I never imagined dialing 911 would result in my son being shot to death in front of our home. I just needed some help working with him as ment- his mental health was had worsened. I regret that call every day. I cannot go back and change what had happened. 
um, but I can demand that we radically restructure how we respond to mental health crises. We can do better. My son, Miles Hall, is the first person in a mental health crisis to be killed after family members called 911 for help. Nationwide, at least one in four fatal law enforcement enforcement encounters involves an individual with mental illness. Half of all law enforcement homicides end in the life of in the individual with severe psychiatric disease. I wasn't familiar with these statistics. We felt safe calling 911 because the police knew Miles. They had even assisted our family in getting him safely hospitalized in 2018. I thought they would again treat him with compassion and care because he was ill and needed help. My son was in distress and he was gunned down. He had not been threatening and the officers were not in danger. The officers who killed my son are now under criminal investigation. Absurdly, these officers are still allowed to stay on active duty during the investigation. I know now per- I now know personally what the data makes clear. Police are not adequately trained to deal with the people in mental health crisis. The crisis intervention teams, CIT, found in most departments across the country only requires 8 to 15 hours of training. Mental health workers receive thousands of hours of training for their licensing. Originally, the CIT was designed to train and deploy a small group of officers compassionate about the community mental health. After increased deaths of people in crisis at the hands of police, law enforcement agencies across the country implemented mandatory CIT training for all officers. The result? More deaths by police of community members in distress. It's more logical and compassionate to meet a mental health crisis with a mental health first responder and not an armed police officer. Police presence often exacerbates mental and emotional states by triggering pre-existing fears or memories of incarceration, police violence, or involuntary hospitalization. Um, humane response is, is working in Sweden. In 2015, Stockholm um, shared test driving an ambulance devoted entirely to mental health care. It looks like a regular, regular ambulance on the outside, but instead of stretchers, it's got cozy seats perfect for a therapy session on wheels. During its first year, the ambulance was requested 1,580 times and attended to tw- uh, 1,254 cases. That's about 3.4 f- cases a day. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Yeah, I think that is really cool. Um... In the, even in the U.S., a few departments are trying something different. Police in Eugene, Oregon, have partnered with Cahoots, a nonprofit. The organization handled 17% of the 96,115 calls for service made to the Eugene police last year. It should be noted that Eugene residents are primarily Caucasian, leaving their model void of an adequate racial analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, in Oakland, California, the city has approved a $40,000 budget to investigate a mental health first responder model with a plan to launch a pilot next year. With a step in the right direction, it's not ambitious enough. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, $40,000 is literally not even enough. Change. I mean, it's a start to, for sure, but yeah. Right. No. But I mean, like, that's literally not even enough to give an adequate salary to, like, a therapist. Yeah. That's true. I mean, not even <laughs> nearly enough. Right. <laughs> like, like that's not enough for one person's annual salary. Like, that, no. 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 Like, that no. makes zero sense no. to me. Yeah. Um. So no model in the U.S. goes far enough. As a society, we're conditioned to utilize law enforcement as a first responder to every social ill. We cannot police our way out of a mental health crisis. We can formulate humane resource responses that rely on the expertise of mental health experts and committed community members. Substantial portions of police department budgets can be redirected to fully staffed 24-7 mental health departments in implementation of a trauma-enforced response model. In this model, police should not be involved unless asked by a mental health responder as a last resort. It should support people through through quality follow-up and ongoing care, regardless of their ability to pay. It must intersect with social welfare organizations that provide housing, substance abuse prevention, and treatment, and continuing education and job placement. Teams should be staffed with impacted community members, medical and mental health professionals. Um, These programs cannot cannot be established as public or private models, but rather as public agencies. Finally, people living with mental health issues and families that are survivors of police violence related to mental health response should be leading, developing, and monitoring this model. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Too many families are living with the guilt and horror of requesting help and receiving violence. Currently, the only way to help a person who is mentally ill and doesn't recognize their sickness is to get them hospitalized. To get a non-voluntary hospitalization, or a 5150, a person must be determined a threat to themselves or others, and this has um, been done using police assistance. That was our situation. We tried to help Miles during his mental crisis. There was no other option. Miles would be alive today if we didn't have to rely on untrained officers to help my son. How can we rely? Um, how can we count on the police when they overreact and shoot to kill? They betrayed our family when we trusted them at our most vulnerable. 
as the numbers of people living with mental health issues in America continues to grow, we must begin to intervene in humane ways with new models rooted in transformative justice and reparative approaches. Miles Hall didn't have to die. No one else does either. Dang. Yeah. Um, so um, I did actually reach out to a girlfriend of mine who I went to high school with um, mm-hmm. in Walnut Creek, actually, for a while. Um, I went mm-hmm. to private school in Walnut Creek for a little over a year. Um, and that's where I, I met Ashley. Okay. Um, and then I did transfer to a public school. Um, and so um, this is coming from my girlfriend, Ashley. She agreed to um, be named and be, you know, um, you know mentioned yeah. in the podcast. Okay. Um, her Instagram handle is Mermaid Off Duty. She is fantastic. Um, so she's a board certified behavior analyst, a BCBA. Um, she has been in the field of applied ba- applied behavior analysis, ABA, for five years now. Mm-hmm. She has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in education. Um, ABA is an evidence-based science which is used to teach appropriate functional skills, like social skills and communication, for example, mm-hmm. and also used to decrease inappropriate behaviors such as tantrums or aggressive behaviors like biting. Mm-hmm. Um, Asher says she has experience in working with patients between the ages of 2 and 22 and with patients with a variety of disabilities and disorders, um, including but not limited to like autism, Down syndrome, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, some of her patients do not have disabilities and just need to be taught new skills. Right. Um, she also has a younger brother who is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder when he was two. Um, he's now a teenager. Um, so she had the following to say um, in regards to a statement about Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so um, this is all in her words. Um, and I quote, Um, After hearing about Miles Hall's story, I was incredibly heartbroken. It definitely was one that hit home for me since I do have a career in working with children and adults with disabilities, and I have a younger brother with a disorder. Mm -hmm. I started looking further into stats and facts regarding the huge population of people with disabilities have, uh, people with disabilities being arrested, abused, and murdered by law enforcement. And of course, at that point, I felt really hopeless. But then it sparked a fire in me to fight harder for people like Miles, in my workplace, in my relationships, and in my research. Yes, this is a difficult and exhausting time for um, black and indigenous pe- and people of color, uh, minorities, and people with disabilities. But it's also a time where stories like Miles sparks inspiration and change. We need to do better so that the people, so that the violence stops and people with all different needs are cared for. We can create a better future together. My heart goes out to his family and loved ones. I'll be praying for you. End quote. Um, so thank you very much, Ashley, for providing that um, yeah. you know statement. Um, so. Um, uh, Ashley's brother uh, was receiving mental health care in Walnut Creek as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the same system in which Miles was as well. Right. Um, so this is something that kind does of hit, hit very me, close yeah. to home for her. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, and I've known Ashley since, uh, what would that be, like 2009? Mm-hmm. So, you know, o- almost 10 years now. Yeah. Or uh, over 10 years now, good lord. I can't <laughs> do math. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> depending years, on wow. when you met her, but 10, 10 issues. Right. Uh, we met when she would have been a freshman. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like this story is just so heartbreaking. And it is literally happened within 15 minutes of my house. Yeah, I mean, mental care in America in general needs to change, mm-hmm. and this obviously, like, I mean, really hits that point. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I do have another article that I found. Um. It does mention Miles, um, but it's kind of a more overarching um, thing about mental health and being black mm-hmm. and calling them in one in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an article written by Sean King um, for TheIntercept.com um, in September of 2019 as well. Um, if you're black and in a mental health crisis, 911 can be a death sentence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Sorry, I lost my place here. <laughs> so... Um, I am probably mispronouncing, I'm probably going to mispronounce this name, so I apologize. Um, so, Osaze Osagai, uh, 29, was beloved by his family and community. At his funeral this March, so many people showed up to pay their respects, and every seat in the, room, in the main room was taken, and at least 100 more uh, were filled in an overflow area. Person after person told stories of warmth, his warmth and kindness. Ten days earlier, his father, Sylvester, made a simple call to the local police to perform a mental health wellness check on his son. Osaze was shot and killed in his own home by police in a uh, state college, Pennsylvania, soon thereafter. 
He had been hospitalized at least six times over the years with a history of autism, paranoid schizophrenia, extreme anxiety, and Asperger's syndrome. He sometimes struggled to function uh, in society. Last December, his family was proud when he transitioned out of a community residential center into an apartment of his own. As much as they wanted it to work out for him, it was rough. He stopped attending support meetings and cycled on and off of his medications. On March 10th, after sending texts to a fam- two families suggesting that he might harm himself, they called 911 for support. When the police got there, they claimed that um, Osaze had a knife and that he refused to put it down. When he walked toward the officers, they claimed that a taser had no impact on him, so they shot and killed him right there on the spot. This past week, the family announced their intention to file a lawsuit against the police department for abandoning multiple protocols when their son was confronted and killed. Over the last five years, I've closely studied thousands of police shootings and seen a trend of black families under duress calling 911 during a mental health emergency, only for their loved one to be killed by police as a result. Of course, when a black family calls 911 for support in a mental um, health—oh wait, uh, yeah—in a mental health emergency and it goes well, that doesn't make the news. But the fact remains that, in general, black families remain skeptical of calling the police for help under any circumstance, and in fatal encounters like the one experienced by the Osage family, can confirm these doubts. Police killings of people with mental illnesses are a huge problem for those of all races. Studies show that as many as 50% of people killed by American police had a registered disabilities and um, that a huge percentage of those were people with mental illnesses. One study states that people with untreated mental illnesses are a staggering 16 times more likely to be shot and killed by police. Um, but African Americans are even at an even higher risk due to the racism that our country um, and in our police forces. Right now, outside of Atlanta, a trial is underway for the officer who shot and killed Anthony Hill, an Afghanistan war veteran who had a mental illness. Hill was not only unarmed, but he was also completely nude. He needed immediate medical attention. Instead, he was fatally shot by an officer who had claimed what officers often claimed, that he feared for his life. This past December, the city of New York paid the family of Deborah Danner, a 66-year-old black woman with a long history of mental health illness, who was also completely nude and in her own home, $2 million after a New York Police Department officer shot and killed her. She, too, needed medical help, but got bullets instead. That's terrible. It's interesting how... Yeah, it's fucking awful. What were you going to say? Um, Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's interesting how many times American police routinely find a way to push past uh, such fears to peacefully arrest white mass shooters who were heavily armed and just slaughtered scores of people. For years, I, the author... Uh, used to advocate for police to receive more training to prevent the shooting deaths of people like Hill and Danner. After seeing police from coast to coast routinely exercise so much restraint and patience when arresting armed white shooters, I'm no longer confident that the training is the problem. Police seem fully capable of exercising restraint when they feel like it. The list of black deaths is is too long. Uh, This last May, Pamela Turner, a 44-year-old black woman experiencing a mental health crisis, was shot and killed by police in Texas. In Oklahoma this past April, 17-year-old Isaiah Lewis, also naked and in a mental health crisis, was shot and killed by police. This past, this past June, Ton Hall, who um, called 911 for support with her 23-year-old son, Miles, who had a mental health, Ill- mental health illness, police shot and killed him. The late, uh, latest research shows that no single group of people was more likely to be killed by police than young black boys and men, registering even higher than white people with mental illnesses. Consequently, young black men with mental illnesses are in the single most at-risk category in the nation for fatal police violence. So, really, at you know the bottom line um, yeah. is that nine one one and you know police departments and first responders need more. Yeah, yeah, need more mental health training and not to and maybe more shoot first and ask questions later, like a on staff mental health crisis person trying to like go with them on those calls like in Mm -hmm. conjunction with the police because obviously some of those situations can be very dangerous um i'm not Mm -hmm. like not acknowledging that but right like take for example um you know the social worker when with uh oh gosh um josh powell when he killed his two sons Mm -hmm. and killed himself obviously like you know she she recognized that sign before the dispatcher did but if there had been a police officer with her Mm -hmm. so maybe you know like uh, reworking that model well yeah i think like the like the swedish model is awesome where there's you know these converted ambulances where people can get like ongoing you know support and um 
there's either like no payment or it's like a sliding scale yeah you know there's so there's options for people that you know either don't have a lot of money or that can't you know afford any sort of help um yeah yeah so it's all a lot of this is just so preventable yeah um that's so sad like really de-escalation is so key and it's just not happening yeah (laughs) and for whatever reason that is is awful it is um and I don't know if it's, you know, I, I saw, I don't want to call it necessarily a meme, it was like a cartoon mm-hmm. um, of, like, these police officers carrying all these things, right? They have all of these responsibilities, like, they have to ha- respond mm-hmm. to mental health crisis, they have to be the first yeah. responders to most things, they have to, you know, put their lives online at the end of the day, like, they, I mean, they do, I'm not saying that they don't, you know? Yeah. They're, they have to do all they these have a heavy load. things. They have a heavy job. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if we offset that and have more people to take that load off of them then they aren't pressed with well I don't have time to deal with this I'm just gonna shoot or whatever the reason may be you know yeah yeah um yeah. or you know someone else can step in before that even gets to that point yeah. like there's a lot of you know ways and that's why people are calling for police departments to be defunded like it's not saying no police yeah. it's people let's misunderstand the intention. Yeah. Right. Like, if how about we say, okay, let's reallocate funds then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or re-divert funds. Let's call it that. Like, let's make it sound less scary so that people want to do it. Like, I don't know. Like It needs to, I mean, the money needs to come from somewhere. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, department by tar- department, of course, it, I'm sure it varies. Mm-hmm on how how they're funded and how much they have right. and, and whatever and some may need more things than others um but it's important like these things are important and they could save lives yeah. that's um so something to i think the model needs to change yeah and especially for specifically mental health crises yeah. like so and i mean like even like stuff like uh like overdosing and stuff things like that mm-hmm. and even just like civil disputes like a lot of those things can be handled by non-police yeah. units yeah you know what i mean yeah um so it's just one of those things where that should be the last option yeah but they're the first option which makes absolutely no sense that's very sad um so um as of me recording this, um, there are active um, protests in Walnut Creek every day. Oh, wow. Um, I believe from 12 to 1 in front of the Walnut Creek Police Station, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my girlfriends is um, a founding member of a nonprofit called Bay Area Grassroots. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones that are orga- uh, part of the ones that are organizing this. Um, it's in conjunction with Just- Justice for Miles Hall. Okay. Um, so they're there. At- every day if i'm not mistaken um you can check out justice for, justice for miles hall um they're on instagram um barry at grassroots on instagram as well um did what happened to the police officers are they still on in, under investigation or have they been cleared um based on everything i've found they're still on active duty right okay um and nothing has no charges have happened they haven't been suspended mm-hmm um, so if anyone has more up-to-date information regarding that, that, you know, again, that I'm not privy to. <laughs> right. Um, I reached out to all the channels I could, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, again, Miles Hall Foundation, um, we'll be linking to the website again. Um, and there's also, um, other petitions that are mental health related that we can sign for that, um, as well. All sorts of things. Um, but there is a specific color of change petition, um, to get the officers involved in the shooting off of active duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll be linking to all of these things. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, again, as of right now, I haven't gotten a statement um, from his family directly. Um, once I do receive that, um, we will share that yeah. with you guys. Um, I'm hoping to have it in the next several days, so hopefully next week um, we'll have it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll share, obviously. Yeah, and... Um, <clears throat> Again, uh, Ton and Scott Hall, um, y'all shared our, you know, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. I can't imagine the, like, as a parent, I can't imagine that. And you know what? Thankfully, I probably never will have to. 
because mm -hmm. I have some thing called white privilege. Yes. <laughs> um, if and uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing that's really been I think weighing on me. Um, I don't want to say it's like white guilt because it's I, I don't want to say it's that because it's not. Right. But it's acknowledging that white privilege and people that just like actively don't. I I don't understand how you can be that willfully ignorant. Yeah. Um. Or if you're, you know, choosing not to, then, you know, shame on you. I just think, like, there's just <laughs> yeah. a lot we can all learn. And if mm -hmm. you just, like, put aside for a second, like, your whatever preconceived notions you have or whatever education has taught you or what whatever it might be mm -hmm. that, you know, like, listening to other people's perspectives and, like, just because I think the biggest thing is just because that you haven't gone through it does not mean that it does not exist. So it's just like saying... Precisely. I've never had depression, so it, it does not exist. People aren't depressed, because I don't know what that is. Like, that's literally, yeah. like, that's what that's saying. Or, I don't know how anyone could ever be depressed. Or, right. you know, these, like, these things like that, like, you you hear and you're just like, what? what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please tell that to my psychiatrist. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> so... Well, yeah, that's important. I think that we should not do our fun and fresh this week because I think we should end on that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so just a quick little sneak peek. Uh, Wednesday we will be back with our uh, next Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, please watch it. Yes. It's the um, 13 it, minutes um, talking about the disappearance of Patrice, which I rewatched and I have some feelings. Oh, it's bomb. Particularly dude. about her husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. That's all we'll share for now. But, yes. um, again, so please check out all the links and um, donate and sign the petitions if you can. Um, yeah, yeah, It just takes a couple of seconds. And, um, again, if you, you know, if you have a story that you would like us to share. Yeah. Um, you know, someone that you know. Um, I am actually working on another case that is um, a friend of a friend mm -hmm. um, that was killed. Mm -hmm. So, um yeah, you let know, us know, please We're very definitely open let us know. To it lend our platform. It's not the biggest, mm -hmm. but it's not the smallest. So we're here for yeah, it. Yeah, so if we can do anything, we would love to. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and we will catch you on Wednesday. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.